FM. Supported by Highbury College. We are passionately pumping. Begins, look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated pumping. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see a full house and it rocking. Action and reaction. This is Shoes Football Club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure is changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. An underwhelming January finally comes to an end. The final whistle has gone here at the Abbey Stadium. It's finished goalless and it's blocked by Ogilvy. Still there for MK, what a goal! Theo Corbinu has put one in off the crossbar. So it is a second consecutive 0-0 draw on the road for Portsmouth here at Plough Lane in League One. Carter under pressure in danger of giving the ball away outside his penalty area and he has and Stewart's got a chance. Great opportunity, Sunderland lead. Here's Matthews on the right wing for Charlton. There's on the overlap with Claire outside the area towards the near post. It's an own goal. It's Portsmouth nil, Charlton two. The Blues have started the year with an absolute whimper, winning none of their opening five league encounters in 2022. Monday's 2-1 defeat to Charlton and results elsewhere on Tuesday night have sent Pompey down to 12th in the table. Tonight I'll be joined alongside Sam Carter and Robbie Fahey to, pre- to, to review the first month of the year. We don't want to preview it again and look ahead to tomorrow's trip to Oxford United. So, without further ado, a very good evening to Express FM. This is for Football Hour. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome along to this week's edition of the Friday Football Hour, brought to you as ever by Stagecoach Across the South. The best way to travel through Hampshire by bus, providing cheap and reliable fares to get you where you need to be. For more information, visit stagecoachbus.com. Coming up on the show tonight, two more Pompey voices join me for 60 minutes of Blues discussion, highlighting the events of the last game and looking ahead to the next, as well as reviewing the latest news coming out of the club across the past few days. And as always, we want to hear what you've got to say from back home too, Pompey fans. What did you make of Denver Hume during his Pompey debut on Monday night? Should Aidan O'Brien come straight into the starting eleven for tomorrow's trip to Oxford? And what do you think the final score is going to be at the Kassam Stadium this weekend? Get in touch. 81400 is the number to text. Be sure to start your messages with the word express. Otherwise, you can email into pompey at expressfm.com, tweet using at expressfm, or head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. I'll come on to welcome tonight's guests very shortly, but before the three of us start to look forward to this weekend's match, it's probably right that we uh, remind ourselves of what's happened within the last month or so. We start off at the Abbey Stadium on the 3rd of January, Pompey's first league match of 2022. And here's how the month of January unfolded here on Express FM. Many people back at work, back at school tomorrow, a last afternoon of the Christmas holidays to enjoy. And Cambridge will be getting the game underway in their amber shirts, black shorts and black socks. They go from left to right as we look at things at the back of the main stand. Williams should be able to clear for Cambridge with Harness clearly fouling him. And, well, Harness is not helping himself there. And it's all kicked off down in front of us because Harness seemed to put his knee on the head of Williams. And that really, really annoyed the Cambridge side. Off, off is the chant. Harness is going to be in trouble here, and it's silly and needless. Referee still chatting to Harness and tells him to clear off with no punishment to the anger of the home fans around us. Still nil-nil. Chested up in the air on halfway by Smith, and the free kick goes Portsmouth's way, and Smith has to be a little bit careful as he is on a yellow card, and he's going to be spoken to here, but it's not worth another booking. Well, has he shown him a second yellow card here? Looks like Smith has been shown a second yellow card here. And Cambridge are going to play the final half hour with ten men as Sam Smith makes his way off. 83 minutes on the clock. In reality, 15 to 20 minutes of injury time after a stoppage due to an incident within the crowd. May to deliver. Right-footed. Has he got enough on it? It's flicked on. Bazzuno fumbles it and then falls. 
Hall's on it. Harness, can he drive into the penalty area? Harness trying to get round Dunks. Harness to the dead ball line, drilled across, loose in the area, charge over the bar! A bad miss from Curtis from eight yards out, still nil-nil. The final whistle has gone here at the Abbey Stadium and the reaction of the home fans tells you all you need to know. They are absolutely delighted that they have held Portsmouth to a draw. It's finished goalless. We are underway as the ball goes over the top of Conor Ogilvy and Portsmouth immediately have a goal kick to our left-hand side. Here's Freeman. Freeman driving forward, 30 yards out, lays it off to Romeo. Romeo coming out to this right-hand side to Morel. Morel takes a touch, lifts it back into the box. Raggett there, Raggett the target, Raggett attacks it, charge! Ogilvy over the bar, what an opportunity! Nice turn from Hackett, taking two players out of the game, but then his ball infilter, Williams is intercepted, and now Issa could be away in the penalty area. It's a good chance for Moisa, and Issa scored for MK Dons. Issa with his left foot, rolls it past Bazunu, and it's Hackett who's given the ball away. It's Portsmouth with LMK Dons one. Challenge from Freeman, and that is a dangerous challenge. It almost puts Twine in the penalty area here. Danger, and it's blocked by Ogilvy. Still there for MK, what a goal! Absolutely brilliant strike. Theo Corbinu has put one in off the crossbar. A fine strike from Corbinu. Portsmouth nil, MK Dons two. Romeo down the right for Harness. Harness laying it back off, and Romeo has got Freeman down the right-hand side. Freeman with a chance to deliver a cross. Freeman's to the near post to Hurst! Goal! Poppy have got one back. George Hurst in the right place at the near time. Sweet home across from Kieran Freeman. And on the hour mark, it's Portsmouth one, MK Dons two. Can Pompey find an equaliser? Jacobs, edge of the penalty area, won't fall for Hackett. Clearance not the best. Louis Thompson picks it up to Jacobs on that left wing again. Whipped into the middle. Helped on, surely! No! The offside flag is up against Marquis. It won't count. He put the ball in the back of the net from Raggett's flick on. Head in hands around Fratton Park. The goal won't count. It's still Portsmouth 1, MK Dons 2. The final whistle here at Fratton Park. The cheer is coming from the MK Dons supporters because Portsmouth, despite a much better second half, have still been beaten here at home. And we can get this game underway here at Plough Lane. Portsmouth's third trip already to the new stadium. There have been goals aplenty in their previous two visits here. Now Wimbledon have it with Mabude out to Palmer on the left-hand side. Palmer trying to spread play into the area. What a lovely ball that is. Brown covers, shot on goal, saved. Can Pompey clear? Yes. Raggett does mop up eventually. And Romeo has it outside the Wimbledon penalty area and a quick cross to the far post. Walker's up, headed back across goal. Loose and brilliant clearance. Chocker on his own goal line, hooks it over the bar. Nil nil. Williams to take a corner kick. Left-footed out swinger from a different left foot this time. Raggett and Ogilvy to come from deep. And Carter, it is towards the far post. Raggett up, great saves at him. So it is a second consecutive nil-nil draw on the road for Portsmouth here at Plough Lane in League One. Sunderland against Portsmouth, and we are underway here at the Stadium of Light. Pompey with it on halfway, and Harness can break down the right-hand side. Walker made an early run. Harness still has it. Harness passed another challenge. Harness into the area. Marcus Harness tries across. It's blocked. It's looping in the air. half and now Sunderland will be able to get it away in a, a good attacking position for Portsmouth. Doesn't quite lead to anything. Oh, Raggett's taken a risk at the back and he's lost the ball. Shot on goal, it's going to go wide for Yuku on the left, cutting in field, and he shot early when he had support in the middle and Raggett was taking a chance at the back. It's still nil-nil, but Pompey nearly punished. Carter under pressure, in danger of giving the ball away outside his penalty area, and he has, and Stewart's got a chance. Great opportunity, Sunderland lead. Portsmouth shoot themselves in the foot and Elliot Embleton with his left foot puts it into the bottom corner and all the brilliant work Portsmouth has done in the opening 40 minutes wasted as they give the ball away at the back Sunderland 1, Portsmouth 0 Walker helps it on to Hurst, trying to nod it out to the left, looking for Jacobs. A Sunderland player falls, but the referee says no foul. And there's four blue shirts forward, and this is a good run from Jacobs. And Jacobs hits it, and straight at the goalkeeper. Romeo volleys it towards Hurst. There is no one last chance. The final whistle goes at the Stadium of Light. And Portsmouth are beaten by one goal to nil. Raggett's got plenty of time and space to bring it forward. Then he goes over the top. It's Hurst onside. Hurst, he's got Hume coming in. Hume into the penalty area. Hume shot just wide of the post. 
Walker does really well to bring a high ball down on his chest and lay it off for Romeo on the right-hand side. He's got a chance to run it. Flackett Taylor for a change rather than being the other way round. Morel chipping into the box. Lovely play. Hurst can't get on the end of it. Behind for a goal kick. Charlton warming up a long throw to come in towards the penalty area. And then it's taken short and Portsmouth weren't really ready for it. And the cross can come into the penalty area. It's a lovely cross. It's loose and it's put in the net. And Charlton have got themselves a lead. I'm not sure who's going to claim it in the end. It was a Nike causing all kinds of problems in there. Did his effort go over the line? Washington is the one getting the congratulations. Portsmouth has switched off from a throw. And with 30 minutes on the clock, it's Portsmouth nil. Charlton Warfew, what can he do here? Puts his right hand in the air and then goes short looking to Williams. Williams trying to stand it up at the far post. Nodded down loose in the penalty area and it's Robertson who stabbed his left foot at the ball and puts it wide of the post. What a decent opportunity. And it's wide again and Portsmouth unable to test Craig McGilvery. Still 1-0 to Charlton. Here's Matthews on the right wing for Charlton. There's on the overlap with Clare outside the area. Towards the near post, it's an own goal. It's been headed past his own goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu by Clark Robertson. And with 65 minutes on the clock, it's Portsmouth nil, Charlton two is Romeo coming down the right-hand side Harness helping it off and Curtis to drive to the penalty area square ball Jacobs in the box Jacobs chance and has he scored yes Portsmouth have got one back Michael Jacobs managed to force it past Craig McGilvery who will feel he should have saved it at the near post it's Portsmouth one Charlton two what a month what a month for Pompey five league fixtures and zero victories uh quite a whimper to start 2022 and looking at the league one table pompey now down to 12th and uh, 10 points clear of a relegation zone and uh, 11 behind the top six for playoff places uh, so technically closer to the drop zone than pompey uh, are to promotion uh not to put the dampener on things too much sam carter who i'm uh, Delighted to welcome onto the show, despite the tone of my voice right now. Thank it's, you, Jake. It's been an abhorrent month. It's not been great. No, we are at the end of it, mm. and we now are in February. It's been a decent week. We'll talk about the transfer window in a few moments' time, but what a game to look forward to. Oxford away. <laughs> uh, a notorious favourite amongst Pompey fans, definitely. Um, yeah, it, it, what a way to start 2022, eh? Uh, we waited so long for a game, and then we thought, you know what, we could have waited a bit longer. Um, it's not great, obviously. Um, I think you spoke earlier, didn't you, with Mason saying how incons- well, consistently inconsistent it's been and we are in one of those awful runs again. So if you look at it like that, we've got a really good run to come. But, yeah, um, onwards and upwards, I think, is the only way to look at this month. Exactly. And uh, joining us also tonight uh, from the uh, Republic of Ireland, joining over the phone lines, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Footblower, uh, Robbie Fahey. Robbie, how are you, my friend? Good, lads. Uh, good to be back on. Wish it was in uh, better circumstances, as you've been talking about, than it is. But, look, onwards and upwards, we might have a good run of games coming up, so hopefully we can start getting a few points on the board and start climbing the table again. Yeah. Let's talk about some positives now then, Robbie. Uh, like you say, onwards and upwards, and hopefully that is the kind of mentality Pompey will embark the new month with uh, starting tomorrow at Oxford. We'll come on to preview that game in a bit more detail later on this evening. But talking about the positives from Monday's 2-1 defeat to Charlton, Denver Hume made his Pompey debut, albeit on the wrong side of the result. What did you make of his first game in blue? Really big fan of it, to be honest. Really think he showed glimpses of exactly what we've been missing. Uh, An outlet on the left-hand side, he got forward really well. He showed great energy, uh, particularly later on in the game as well, when legs were getting a bit heavy. When Curtis came on, he seemed to link up really well there on the left-hand side. and That's something that we've been really sorely lacking is just that ball where whether it be Williams in the middle or Morel or Tony Cliff and he's fit that they can just have that ball out to the side that's on and we can get forward and get a better width into the game and get a few balls into the box like really really he's like your prototypical wing back and if Danny and uh, the Cowboys are going to stick with this 3-5-2 system himself and Romeo there was an incident in the first thing four minutes uh, where Hume went up the right wing got the ball laid off to him and he put across into the box and Romeo was coming in from the far side and met the other end of it. And that's the kind of impact we need him and Romeo to have going forward because wide areas are going to be really key to if Pompey are going to move back up the table again. Yeah. So 
about something you can agree with, Sam, the, not just the, you know, the debut of Denver Hume on Monday night, but the importance of utilising these you know, wing areas for Pompey in the upcoming months. Danny Cowley likes to use this free at the back or five at the back, depends on what way you look at it, with the two wing backs in Marlon Romeo and now Denver Hume. Is this a recipe for success or would you perhaps like a bit of change considering how the last month or so has gone? I've been a bit of a critic in the past of five at the back, but it, it, we saw it work really well. We've also seen it not work really well. Um, so it's up to you now to decide which one was better. But if with with obviously Denver Hume coming in, he's he's like Robbie's been mentioning, he is more of a left wing back. He likes to play further up the field a bit more. So he will suit that system a lot better. And we know what Romeo can bring down the right. So if we can if we can bring that into it into the second half of the season and that width that we have been crucially missing, um, then you know it, it is it is a positive to look at. Were there any uh, other positives to take from Monday night's defeat, Robbie? Did you see anything else throughout the 90 minutes where you thought, do you know what, that's something we can look forward to uh, between now and the end of the season? Well, I tell you, just I thought Walker gave us something that we haven't been getting through Hurst. I've been critical of Hurst before and of Marcus as well for neither being here nor there, not holding the ball up well, not running the channels well. But Walker seems to have that liveliness. Like, and if you can just get back to kind of the form he was in at Lincoln under the Cowleys a couple of seasons ago, he got 13 goals in League One that year. And he bought 22, I think, for Mansfield the year before. If you can get back into that kind of form and he showed glimpses of it again, he's playing his way into form a little bit. That's something that we can take from it. I think as well, the way, like I said before, the 3-5-2, it seems to be evolving just a little bit there. Hume was able to get on the ball high up the pitch on the left-hand side. Romeo was doing it on the right-hand side. There's one little drawback there um, that we were we should mention is that Hume sometimes gets a little bit too far forward and Romeo does the same from the initial phase of play. So when the two midfielders are looking to spread the ball wide, then they're just not an option. They need to kind of start a bit deeper and then run onto the ball. But there's a little bit of you know, a glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel that maybe we're starting to, to see a few passages of play coming through that might be uh, effective going forward. Yeah, uh, Got a tweet in here from Jeff Harris. Great to hear from you, Jeff. Hope you're doing well. Uh, on the subject of Denver Hume, says, showed glimpses of what he can do. Hopefully with more training uh, time on the pitch as well, uh, we will see much more to his game. Thank you, Jeff, for getting in touch on Twitter there. OK, we've heard the uh, initial thoughts of both Sam Carter and Robbie Fahey in the studio this evening, uh, speaking uh, so far about Monday's 2-1 defeat to Charlton Athletic. But we also want to hear from you back home, Pompey fans, all the usual ways, if you don't know them by now, can be found on our website, expressfm.com. When we return after this break, the three of us will be back to uh, continue talking about that 2-1 defeat to Charlton, but we'll also review the transfer window of January, which now has closed. We'll talk about the latest news coming out of a football club in the last week or so, and we'll start to preview tomorrow's trip to Oxford United. So don't go anywhere and join us again when the Football Hour returns in just a few moments. This is the Football Hour 93.7. Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour, part two of tonight's show, where I'm joined alongside Sam Carter and Robbie Fahey to preview tomorrow's trip to the Kassam Stadium, where Pompey take on sixth-placed Oxford United, match day number 28 of this League One season. Just 19 fixtures left between now and the end of the season for, Blue, for the Blues to rescue something. Looking at the table and looking from uh, Tuesday night's results in League One, of course, Pompey playing on Monday evening. Wimbledon uh, were held to a two-all draw at home to Cheltenham Town. Doncaster Rovers, bottom of the division. Uh, they were defeated 5-0 by Rotherham. Gillingham won, Crew Alexandra nil. Sheffield Wednesday beat Morecambe by two goals to nil. Wigan and uh, tomorrow's opponents, Oxford, locked in a one-all draw at the DW Stadium. And Bolton Wanderers were 2-0 victors over Cambridge United at the University of Bolton Stadium. Looking at the table then, Rotherham and Wigan top two on 59 and 56 points. Wigan have two games in hand on Rotherham. Sunderland, MK Dons, Wickham and Oxford United make up the top six. Oxford on 50 points. Pompey down in 12th on 38 points. Winless in their last five League One matches. That last victory coming against Morecambe at Fratton Park on December the 11th. At the bottom four, Doncaster, as I mentioned, at rock bottom with 19 points. Gilligan, Crew, and Morecambe make up the bottom four. Morecambe on 28 points, as I say, 10 points behind Pompey. Sam Carter, look, let's be honest, we can joke about it, we can get worried about it, but is the relegation zone 
genuinely something to be worried about if you're a Pompey fan right now? Is that a little bit too far? I mean, mathematically speaking, we've got to talk about it more than the playoffs, haven't we? We're closer yeah, to yeah. it. But no, I, I, I don't think we're going to get sucked into any of that. I, I can't see that happening um, already on, what is it, 40 points we're on? Is it just checking? 38, 38 points there. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, what, 45, 50 is generally the safety point, And if we don't pick up the, the seven points needed there to get to that, then I think... <laughs> There is definitely cause for concern. But, um, yeah, I, I think as well, though, you've got to say the playoff. I don't. It's, it's hard to say will we be sucked into the playoff pit, um, battle towards the end of the season. Um, I think, I, I personally think that it's just a, a case of maybe a top half finish this year. Just kind of seeing the season out, Robbie. Is that something you, you can sort of see happening as well? We are quite far off the playoffs now. 12 points, actually. I mentioned it 11 earlier. I was being a bit uh, bit hopeful there. But it is 12 points behind tomorrow's opponents. Oxford, Uni- Oxford United, albeit two games in hand on all, all of those in the top six. But 12 points, it's, it's, not, it's not impossible. But there is a lot of work for Pompey to do between now and the end of the campaign. And given the last five matches, given the January transfer window, many arguing on social media that you know, the squad is much lighter now compared to how we went into the transfer window. Is this just a case of seeing out the season, going into the summer, hopefully seeing a bit of a bigger rebuild then and going for it next season? Yeah, I think it's very fair to say that. Like I, I'm, as you'll know, a glass half full kind of guy. And even I'm struggling when I've been over the numbers and the permutations today to from the a route into the playoffs for us, like you mentioned there, twelve points off the, the playoff places at the moment. Like our next six games in February, on paper you would say, you know, after Oxford we've Burton. Burton obviously going well in tenth. Then we've Doncaster Crew, Shrewsbury and Fleetwood uh, to round off the month like. So if you were thinking about even making a run of the playoffs, you'd probably need a minimum of fifteen points from that eighteen points. And the former at the moment where we're not scoring goals, I think we're at twentieth in the in the charts in terms of goal scoring. You'd really need like Walker and O'Brien to have a profound impact if we're going to make any run at the playoffs whatsoever. So I think it's more realistic for, for fans all over the world to just maybe take a top half finish this season, go into the, the summer transfer window, see if the Cowleys can get a few more signings like Hume in the door and if the owners back them in the way that we all hope they will and maybe have a more better outlook for next season with a lovely new stand in place as well. Yeah. Uh, and on the subject of the playoffs, on the subject of Pompey chasing uh, the top six as it stands, uh, news today that the home match against Wigan Athletic, which was due to be played last month, but, but due to Wigan's progression uh, in the FA Cup, that game had to be postponed. That game's now been rearranged to Tuesday, the 26th of April. Just four days before the final game of the season, which is away to Sheffield Wednesday. So Wigan at home, you could argue the toughest test of the season has been moved to the penultimate game of the season, where hopefully Pompey will still have something to play for. Hopefully they can try and stop Wigan in their tracks for for, for going up. Sam, it's going to be a difficult game no matter when throughout the season that match is played but Wigan at home on the second to last game of the season you don't want that no you don't um, especially if we do end up creeping up there uh, and fighting for a playoff spot that's going to be a very tricky end to the season but you know a game is uh, a season is 46 games long and at the end of the day you can't be um, holding all your eggs in that basket towards the end of the season you need to have got the job done beforehand so you can only hope that we do see the the really good run of form we we are destined to have according to your predictions earlier and then um we'll we'll be in place to be good ahead of that game <laughs> some emails coming in now dave burn on the emails uh, even in jake i know maths don't often come into it but looking at results from last season in the remaining fixtures for this season we are closer to looking at a final total of 60 points than we are 70. we simply are a very poor team at the moment it's difficult to take watching pompey get outplayed and ultimately beaten by so many teams that appear to have better players both in terms of technical ability and also mental strength how many managerial changes will it take to actually change our fortunes because so little has changed in almost five years now we are destined to lose Ronan Curtis from a suburb, certainly if he sees too much more time on the bench. And to that five loans, uh, a couple of short-term contracts and a few that will expire and it will feel like we're back to square one yet again. We deserve better than this, says Dave Inlis on the emails. Thank you for getting in touch. Also getting in touch tonight, Graham Wilkins. Good evening, gents. 
a question for you. Uh, do you agree with what Lee Brown has said regarding Ronan Curtis's game and that it's deteriorated since Cowley reverted to his wing-back style? Uh, if this is something you've already talked about, I'm sorry, as I've only just joined the debate a little late tonight. No, Graham, it's not something we've touched upon actually uh, regarding uh, Lee Brown's quotes, uh, which uh, highlights Ronan Curtis and, and apparently that his game has deteriorated since uh, Cowley's reversion to a wing-back system. Question I'll throw over to you, Sam. Is that something you agree with or or not? Um, I mean, we definitely saw his best out on the left wing uh, in his first, very first few games for us, well, the first run of games for us. He looked, He's played up front a few times and I don't I think, I, I've not been that impressed with him. I, I do think that there's a bit of him that could play up front if he's got maybe like well, an Aidan O'Brien figure, someone that doesn't get the goals themselves, is you know a, a big lad can and can bring in the others around him. I, I think there there could be maybe hope for him in in that sort of situation. But I, I've got to say, I, I, he's a, he's a, he's got to be a left winger. He has to be. That's where he plays best, and he can't play there under this system. Uh, and looking ahead to tomorrow's trip to Oxford, Robbie. Obviously, something's got to give. Something maybe does have to change uh, in order for Pompey to turn their fortunes around. Danny Cowley's got a monumental task on his now on his hands now between here and the end of the season. What does change tomorrow? Of course, Aidan O'Brien coming in on deadline day gives Pompey another option going forward. Is it a case of him throwing Aidan O'Brien straight into the starting eleven, or would you ease him in maybe off the bench at some point? I personally think he has to throw him in. He has to do something to shake up what's been happening because, like the emailer in there, Dave, I think it was said, like we've been abject. We've been struggling to move the ball forward. We've been struggling to keep the ball, hold it up, progress the play. Every basic aspect of a, a good football team, we've been struggling in those areas. Like, I just like to try and see us get all of our best attacking players on the pitch. Like, I know we have to be defensively solid, especially when you're playing a team up at the upper end of the table. But, like, why not try and get like Jacobs, Curtis, Harness, O'Brien? Walker onto the pitch and see what they can do like play Morel in the little screening role with a bit of a shortage in central midfield at the minute we have Hume and Romeo now to, to attack down the wings it'll probably leave us defensively very open but at the end of the day we're the third best defensive record in the division we're struggling to score goals we need to do something off the top end of the pitch to try and shake it up and try and score a few goals and try and get a few results out of somewhere because the run around at the moment is just absolutely dreadful like and if anything's going to turn around we have to do something drastic to try and do it yeah, and uh, so, some more good news regarding uh, Pompey this week. Sam, believe it or not, Danny Cowley's revealed uh, to our friend and colleague uh, from Hampshire Live, John T. Coleman, that Sean Raggett, uh, his contract expiring at the end of the campaign, but there is a clause to try and extend that beyond this season. So I think, again, alluding to one of the emails sent in, I think it was Dave uh, on the emails there, speaking about how Pompey have got you know, plenty of loans in the squad at the moment, players out of contract in the summer. If Sean Raggett can be tied down to a new contract and, and, and try and help Pompey get promotion next season, if it's not achieved this season, obviously, um, then, you know, that, that's, not, that's nothing but great news. Yeah, I think we can all agree that Raggett is now one of our prized assets. So to get him tied down for another season is crucial. Um, we've all seen in the past our stances on contracts, and uh, I think it's fair to say very few fans will agree with that stance in leaving it to the last minute and seeing how we've lost so many good players for free. Um, so if we can get that extension done oh, until next year, that gives us a, a good go at, at the season next year and we can build the squad around him. In terms of and keeping the subjects on Pompey's defensive players now, Robbie, in terms of what you've seen this season, Sean Raggett, again, like Sam's saying, they're one of the key figures in that back four or back five, depending on what Danny Cowley uses on a, on a, on a match day. Of course, Hayden Carter now coming in on loan from Blackburn Rovers. Uh, Clark Robertson, too, recently returned from injury. Are you happy with what you're seeing at the back? Is there room for improvement, maybe heading into next season? Do there need to be changes in personnel? Yeah, like I, I'd like to just see maybe us improve the, the depth of our centre backs. Like I know, Clark Robertson came back from injury there, obviously at the OG against Charlton, but like he's been a bit hit or miss. Ragged is obviously your centrepiece to build around. I've never been too impressed with Ogilvy whenever I've seen him play. I don't know if uh, you boys agree with me on that one. Uh, like Carter, I was a bit worried, I'll be honest, against Charlton by he was getting a bit exposed in the challenge. Now whether that was just down to the tree at the back system and he was adjusting to it, that'll take time. But at the same time, we don't have the, the time or we don't have the, the will to, 
give these players too long to bed in. Like you mentioned there, I think we have 12 players out of contract in the summer out of a squad of 19 at the moment. And like, you know, what are we planning for for the future? We're letting these contracts run down and letting our best players go on free transfers or even having that possibility. So I think it's really crucial that we have maybe two fullbacks now that we can hang our hats on. Let's try and get a couple of centre-backs, maybe just to bolster the defensive options and maybe an extra right-back as well because Romeo isn't obviously going to be able to play every game of the week. No. Is Pompey's squad stronger or weaker now, Sam, compared to the start of a window? Because there were certain players within the team which you know, fans were crying out on social media to, to move on, to shift on, free up wages uh, mm. for more to come in. Obviously, in, in terms of math- mathematical sense, only five in and seven out, yes, it is technically weaker, but on a technical and ability kind of factor, is it weaker? Or do you think Pompey genuinely are stronger now heading into the final three months of the season? I think that is a really, really tricky question to judge, uh, especially at this moment of time with, with the context we've seen over the last month. But I, I was one of those that was really happy to see the uh, high-wage earners go. I think it's a good... It, it gave us a really exciting prospect for January, uh, and we we were being told to, to get excited for January's transfer window, only to find out that some of our targets we couldn't afford and then they went to teams that maybe things have changed but we should be outweighing so yeah. it's it's been a bit of a letdown this January transfer window to say the least um, to, and it's not built the excitement we were told it would um, so in terms of squad level I, I think that does we, we do have to maybe wait and see on that bit obviously we know that Harrison and Marquis weren't getting the goals that we needed them to get um, whether O'Brien and Walker can do better than that, we just need to wait and see. Of course, looking back at the January transfer window as well, Robbie, there are a couple of players mentioned, especially on deadline day, uh, which Danny Carley was supposedly after. Lewis Wing, uh, who was on loan at Sheffield Wednesday uh, from Middlesbrough. Uh, his contract was reportedly set to be terminated and joining Pompey on a permanent deal, but he instead joined Wickham Wanderers. That one fallen through uh, at last minute. Rotherham's Jamie Lindsay as well. Pompey reportedly putting in a bid for him. That was turned down um, by the club. Rotherham United so losing out on a couple of uh, targets there again as Sam's mentioned there but Danny Cowley has come out and spoken to the press this week speaking to our colleagues from the Portsmouth News saying pretty much whatever funds were available this January which couldn't be spent for whatever reason targets falling through the thing- fingers or you know not necessarily splashing out to, to pay for players who perhaps might not be worth it in the long run that money will be saved and carried over until the summer the summer transfer window where, again, hopefully we've already mentioned there might be a little bit of another rebuild for Pompey. Is that a positive for you or would you prefer that money spent here and now to try and save this season? Well, look, objectively looking at it, the possession or position we're in, as we mentioned earlier, if you're going to think about saying, right, we'll take a top half finish, it's probably better off to, to pool that money to the summer. Notoriously, the January transfer window isn't a good time to do business, especially if you're a club like Pompey. Uh, who've maybe fallen down a little bit, but people still have the expectation that we can pay money. Like, I think he said as well, like, Denver Hume fee was the highest we've paid post-administration for a player. So he was kind of, you know, praising the owners on that front. If what he's saying is true and the money is going to be there in the summer and they have a little bit more time to find the players that we need, because we need players who can come in, can make an impact straight away, but still have that ability to grow and to maybe get us a, a significant fee in the future if they can make those strides. Like, I know... He was talking as well about Greg Miller and the, the job he's doing with the academy, the lack of London 23 side. Like, there's a lot of structures behind the scenes at play. So if we can just add that little bit of quality where we can in the transfer market and use the money wisely, that's going to be a, a massive boost for us next season. Yeah. Unfortunately, we just weren't able to get the deals over the line in January. A text here from Tim in Portsmouth who says uh, if the Eisners and Cowley think they could, they're going to get out of this league without spending money on transfer fees, then they are seriously deluded. How much longer do we have to put up with this, says Tim in Portsmouth. Clearly not happy, Sam. And look, you can understand why. With transfers falling through you know, the last minute on, in the January window, it's a repetitive occurrence. We've seen it for the last three or four years. Admittedly, we saw it before the Eisners came in as well, even under the Pompey Sports Trust January transfer window has never been 
too no. positive for Pompey, has no. it? I don't think you can solely blame that on you know on, on the Arsenal's or Danny Cowley. However, you can see the argument that you know, maybe just a little bit more expenditure to try and get Pompey out of this division sooner rather than later is wanted by fans. You know, we're an impatient bunch. I think we could admit that, but I think yeah. we've probably got a right to be as well. Five years in this division, we want to get back up to the championship where Pompey belong. Where do you draw the line? At what case do you do you stand there and think? I do kind of hope we just spend a little bit more money now to try and get player A, player B in. I know, uh, and and I really struggle with this myself. Um, I obviously want to see good players come here. I want us to splash a bit of cash, but some I just think sometimes you have to look at things from outside your passionate Pompey fan um, self. Sometimes I mean. It's you look at the money we spent on Marquis and the, the money that he was reportedly earning as, as one of our top earners, and can you look at that and say that was a successful buy? I no. don't. I don't think you can. But so at, at the time when Pompey brought John Marquis in the same window as I believe Ellis Harrison, mm -hmm. that looked like a decent window oh, on paper. Then, uh, exactly. That, that, yeah, that looked like yeah. you know the owners were you know putting their money and putting their hands in their pockets and trying to do what they could to try and get Pompey out mm -hmm. of this division. Like, exactly. Yeah, like I say it didn't quite work out. Yeah. So, it, and it got us excited. It looked like it. We, you know, we talked about how it, in, the ambition was there, but then it didn't work. So, I think January is the wrong time to be splashing the cash. Yeah. And so, if you've got, I've, I've again, like I said earlier, I, I wanted us to spend that money that we made from the wage budget being reduced. But again, just if we, if if it pays off in the summer, if we make some good signings in the summer, then I think it, you can say it'll be worth it. Yeah. Uh, a final text here before we do head into our next break and our final break uh, of the show this evening. Mark says, I'm happy that the owners are putting more money on the infrastructure rather than the transfer budget. Mark, thank you for your text, of course. Uh, for Tenante Company, Michael Eisner putting a lot of money into Fratton Park to try and keep it fit to standards. You can see that now, uh, especially uh, from an exterior point of view with the north stand. Half of that uh, north lower section has been ripped up and ready to be put back in and a lot of money behind the scenes as well to keep uh, Fratton Park safe and, and, and stable for supporters to attend. So, yeah, a lot of work going on at PO4 to ensure the future of this football club. Like, you know, they did say in their bid in 2017, whilst Pompey are a League One club, we're not going to throw the money at the transfer budget like Sunderland do. Where are they still in League One? Right, I need a few minutes breather because uh, otherwise this could get out. <laughs> I'm joking. Right, um, anyway, before we do uh, go to the next break, don't forget you can get involved with the show this evening. Just under 20 minutes to do so before we leave you at 7 o'clock. 81400 is the number to text. Start your messages with the word express at ExpressFM on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live, or you can email into Pompey at expressfm.com. And after the break, we'll hear a small update from Pompey CEO and Andy Cullen, who talks us through uh, the transfer window just gone. So don't go anywhere and join us for the conclusion of tonight's show. You're listening to the Football Hour here on Express FM. This is the Football Hour 93.7. Express FM. Welcome back for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM. Brought to you this season by Stagecoach across the South. Download the app now from either the Apple app or Google Play Store and you can plan your next journey and locate your nearest bus stop as well. Okay, still to come this evening, myself, Sam and Robbie uh, will be continuing to uh, talk about January transfers, but we'll also move the conversation ahead to look forward to tomorrow's trip to the Cassam Stadium. We'll also hear from Mason Jordan, who's got the load down on Oxford United. But before the break, we were talking about the January transfer window. We got some text tweets and emails in from back home talking about the frustration, but also uh, the positivity around the money spent in that window. But now let's hear the thoughts of uh, Pompey Chief Executive Andy Cullen. He sat down with Max Swatton earlier this week to discuss the month gone by. Your reflections on the past month? We were determined to get ahead of the game this window and we were able to complete quite a bit of business by the 21st of January. We got to a stage where um, you know, we got most of the outgoings out, we had most of our incomings coming in by then and then very, very late last week um, we, uh, there was some speculation about Lee Brown potentially having an opportunity to uh, go out to a couple of clubs. Um, I read that speculation on Thursday morning and later that day, Thursday afternoon, I got a call from AFC Wimbledon expressing an interest. We spoke to Lee about it, we spoke to Danny about it. Both parties were keen to make that happen, which we were 
able to complete pretty swiftly. Uh, and of course that then uh, allowed us then to look at bringing another player in, um, which was Aidan O'Brien, not in Lee's position, but with that having good cover in that position with uh, both Denver Hume and Connor Ogilvie, it sort of made sense that we could potentially do something further up the pitch. And that, of course, led to Aidan O'Brien coming in on transfer deadline day. Um, the other thing that um, we were, you know, sort of looking at at the end of that window was we did have some interest in one of our players very, very late in the day. Um, the valuation was way below what we would expect. We made that quite clear. Um, and there was always a risk that somebody might come back with a price that we were interested in. So we, were, we then started to look at potential replacement just in case that didn't happen. <laughs> but the same as us, uh, we got to a situation there with that particular player where his club didn't want to release him either um, unless there was a significant transfer fee paid, which will um, not be that price probably later, later on uh, when we get into the summer. So uh, that was that was a little bit of excitement right at the end. But uh, our player stayed with us, which is good news. And uh, again, uh, we, we didn't have to progress that, uh, that alternative option. And how do you judge the window? Successful or otherwise? Well, I think judgment has to take place at the end of the season because none of us know um, that the players that we brought in, you know, we brought them in to impact the squad, we brought them in to be successful and make us stronger. We can make that judgment at the end of the season when we see how they've all done. So we don't know, but we have to potentially then, for me, to reflect back and judge it. I judge it now, at this point in time, about how successful we, we delivered against the objectives that we set out. So let me just go through what those objectives were. I mean, first of all, uh, we wanted to bring players into the squad who were going to make an instant impact. They were match ready and able to go from day one. So they gave us that, uh, that immediate sort of strengthening and impact that you need in the January window. A little bit different from the summer when there's more players available, free agents on the market and more you can go for. So that was the first thing that we wanted to do and the type of player we wanted. Then it was sitting down with Danny and understanding what positions he wanted to strengthen in. So we had uh, the, left, the, le the left side, he wanted a left wing back to bring in. Uh, we wanted um, a forward to bring in and we wanted a right centre half. Those were the three key positions that we focused on to bring in to make us stronger. I think the next thing we wanted to do as well was to try and get a, um, a loan uh, for Alex Bass. Um, Alex is a big part of our plans for next season and it's important that he gets a chance of regular first team football between now and May and uh, that was something that um, you know we, we worked with a number of League One, League Two clubs to see if that opportunity could arise and having done that we wanted to make sure we could bring in some goalkeeping cover that would facilitate Alex's loan out. The other strategy was to be very, very clear because we were starting to receive an inter interest in one or two players um, in November and December. Inquiries were being made as to whether those players might be made available. They're strong assets in the squad and they're players we didn't necessarily want to lose at this stage of the season unless we bought in significant fees. And, um, you know, we were told um, it was, a, you know, a buyer's market. Um, but. I didn't agree with that and we have to look at getting fair valuations for, for our assets. So we had to have two things going on, remain firm, but if we got an offer which did meet that valuation, ensuring that we knew where we were going to go in terms of replacing those particular players. So you know, that, was, that, was, that was important to us. And the fifth thing I think, uh, the next thing that was important was just looking at some of our, and this is in a broader perspective, looking at our academy squad as well, as whether we could get some really, really good loans out to, you know, to non-league clubs steps two to four in particular to try and give them the opportunity of playing in regular men's team football stepping up to another level which will aid us in terms of decisions that need to be made later in the season in terms of awarding professional contracts. Was there anything else you would have liked to have done? Um, I think you never have a perfect window you always want to look at uh, what you can do and what you can ref and reflect and this was you know, in terms of for us, one of the one of the key strategic objectives we've got in terms of our recruitment going forward is to recruit younger talent, 23 and under, that can is on the way up for the football club. We want to see more players on the way up coming to this football club, and we identified 
three to four players uh, that uh, they would need fees paid for. We spoke to their, their parent clubs and at the moment the price for those players would be a lot higher than it might be later on in the year. So we took the decision that didn't represent necessarily good value for Portsmouth Football Club at this point. But we'll revisit those particular players. We'll monitor them now between the end of the season and then going into next summer uh, we will actually have that database of young players who fit that bill going going forward. There you go then, an update from Pompey CEO Andy Cullen regarding the January transfer window, maybe uh, putting a few of those thoughts to rest and hopefully a big summer transfer window coming up for Pompey. That is a half an hour interview uh, with the club media team and uh, Max Swatton, which you can find on Portsmouth Football Club's YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official PFC. If you want to hear the rest of that interview where uh, Andy Cullen also moves on to talk about uh, Fratton Park redevelopment plans and the next stages of that. Uh, Carol in Halings got in touch on the text. Good evening to you, Carol. She says, I think the reason why Pompey are in this situation is Danny Cowley messing about with the formations he used? John Marquis didn't score because he had no one to feed him the ball. A very worried Pompey fan, Carol from uh, from Hailing Ireland. Uh, interesting point regarding John Marquis, Sam, because it was an argument for quite a long time that he wasn't getting the the service required. And okay, you could argue that this season Pompey's creativity has been lacking a lot. But could you also argue that this season, John Marquis, when given the opportunities, when given the ball on a plate in front of goal, Charlton away, he's still not scoring? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he's had countless formations, countless players around him now. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's had his, you know, all, all these different opportunities to, to, try and, to try and work that form back to his Doncaster days. And we never saw it. So I think that argument's d d done with, to be fair. Anyway, enough of John Marquis. He's gone. That argument's gone. We can't keep blaming John Marquis for everything. Uh, we've moved on now. He's doing well at Lincoln City. Scored two in three matches, I believe, for them. So fair play to him. Pompey are moving forward. And they'll hope to do that starting tomorrow afternoon. They've got a tough, tough trip to the Kassam Stadium. And here now with a lowdown on this weekend's opponent, Mason Jordan. Blues need something spectacular if they are to save their season, having failed to win any of the opening five league fixtures since the turn of the year. Up next comes a big challenge within itself. Playoff hopefuls, Oxford United. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. These two sides have yet to come up against one another this campaign after the reverse fixture at PO4 on Boxing Day was postponed due to the COVID outbreak in the Pompey camp. This weekend, they finally come toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and here's a bit more on the side Danny Cowley will be hoping to pick up his first league victory of 2022 against Manager. The U's are still led by former MK Dons and Charlton boss Carl Robinson. The 41-year-old, who had an 18-year playing career as a striker in non-league, has been Oxford manager since March the 22nd, 2018, the same day his previous employer, Charlton, announced that he had left the Valley by mutual consent. Robinson has overseen 215 games in charge of the Yellows, securing 90 wins and therefore a win percentage of 41.9. One to watch. Be sure to keep an eye out for 24-year-old Marcus Brown, who we believe will adopt the number 12 shirts for the remainder of the season. The attacking midfielder, who likes to play on either wing, rejoined the U's for the third time in his career just last week and is yet to make his third debut. This is, however, the first time he'd had a permanent contract with Oxford, having previously enjoyed two loan spells at the Kassam. During the first of which, Brown bagged six league goals from 34 games during the 18-19 season, in which his parent club was then West Ham United. Then, for the remainder of the 19-20 campaign, he returned to the club scoring 4-11 on loan from Middlesbrough. His latest adventure in yellow has seen him sign a two-and-a-half-year contract until summer of 2024, with the option to extend for a further 12 months. Top scorer. 31-year-old striker Matt Taylor has 14 league strikes this season for Oxford, and as a result, is the club's leading scorer for the season so far. His tally was just four shy of the division's leading bagsman, Sunderland's Ross Stewart 
who has 18 under his belt at the moment. Matt Taylor, once of Bristol Rovers and Bristol City, joined Oxford on a season-long loan from City in August 2019, a successful spell which saw the forward net 13 in the league from 26 appearances. That's an average of a goal every other game. He made the move to the Kassam Stadium permanent the following summer and since signing that three-year deal has scored 32 goals from 73 league matches. Current form. While Pompey have drawn two and lost three of the last five league outings, Oxford have lost twice, drawn just the once and secured two victories. They came back-to-back. -back. First, a 3-2 win over Sheffield Wednesday before an emphatic 7-2 over Gillingham last Saturday. In the most recent fixture, Carl Robinson's side were held to a one-all draw by automatic promotion contenders Wigan Athletic, despite taking a 1-0 lead at the DW through Matt Taylor on the 23rd minute. The last time the Blues and the Yellows met was in February of last year, when Harvey White scored the only goal of the game in a 1-0 midweek win under Kenny Jackett at the Kassam Stadium. While Oxford did beat Pompey after a penalty shootout in July 2020 to secure their place in that season's playoff final, they haven't seen out a win after a 90-minute match against Portsmouth since January the 19th, 2019, over three years ago now. That's a 2-1 scoreline at the Kassam Stadium with Cameron Brannigan and James Henry on the score sheet for the hosts, both of whom remain at the club to this day. Can Pompey finally get their first league win of the year or will it be Oxford who come away with all three points? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. Thank you to Mason Jordan there for taking a closer look at this weekend's opponents, Oxford United, who haven't beaten Pompey uh, in the league over the course of 90 minutes for over three years. So you can forget about their form, you can forget about Pompey's form, because they don't like to beat us. However, Pompey of late don't like to secure victories either. And a bit more bad news uh, from Monday night, just to end the show, lovely. Uh, Sean Williams, who of course came off injured during that game against Charlton Athletic, has fractured his L4 vertebrae. So will not be available for Pompey tomorrow, and I can't imagine he will be available for Pompey between now and the end of the season. Quite a bad one, that. Uh, Sam Carter, a score prediction please. Pompey against Oxford United. Uh, it's a tricky one. I just, I, I think it's going to be a draw. I hate being pessimistic, <laughs> but I think it's just going to be a one-all draw. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for coming on the show, my friend. Great to hear from you. We'll hear from you again soon. Robbie Fahey, finally, a score prediction, my friend. Glad you went to Sam first. I was actually going to go with one-all as well, but I'll be more <laughs> optimistic. I'll say we'll nick a 2-1 win. Hopefully, O'Brien can get a goal on debut. Well, I'm going to be pessimistic. I'm going to say a 2-1 defeat. Not going to lie. Realistic. You can catch all of your unmissable action, like I've built it up, tomorrow, 2pm, on Pompey Live. All the unmissable action. This is... Pompey Live. It was a winless January for Pompey as they fell to a 2-1 defeat to Charlton Athletic at Fratton Park. It's loose and it's put in the net. And Charlton have got themselves the lead. But the area towards the near post, it's an own goal. And has he scored? Yes! Portland have got one back. Next up, a trip to Oxford United to kick off February. Join us for all of the unmissable action tomorrow from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Well, that is just about all we've got time for here on the Football Hour this evening. Thank you once again to Sam Carter for joining me in the studio. Thank you to Robbie Fahey for calling over the phone lines from Ireland this evening. OK, coming up this evening on Express FM, right after the news at 7, Connor Mosley returns with Express Floor Fillers, where you're invited as a VIP to Portsmouth's biggest party on a Friday night. And then from 11 through to the early hours of Saturday morning, nothing but non-stop Express Floor Fillers to continue you into the morning. Saturday morning, Saturday breakfast with Ian McGuinness from 8 through to 11. Join him for uh, Saturday breakfast with the latest from the roads, travel, news and sport updates. He's got four from 40 from 1985 and of course a movies chat with John Brown as well. Libby Park is back between 11 and 2 o'clock with your guilty pleasures, just great songs and also a tiny quiz about the week's news. And then from 2 through till 6pm tomorrow afternoon, the return of Pompey Robbie James is away this weekend, so filling in in his place is the wonderful Connor Mosley. And uh, myself will be joining him from the Kassam Stadium. And our special guest this weekend is Portsmouth women's goalkeeper Hannah Horton. So do join us tomorrow afternoon from 2 o'clock here on Express FM. Until then, Pompey fans, have a fantastic evening. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and play at Pompey. Good night.